Wow. I love that episode we've just finished recording, Billy. Episode 68, Forrest Gump and kids that are different. What are people going to learn this week? Yeah, it was, it was great. So, yeah, we kind of touch on an amazing movie, um, pick apart a scene. We're going to do something different, which I don't want to um, set it up, but it gets pretty emotional um, and just shows how amazing our community is from one particular listener. And, yeah, we touch on what our role is in true inclusion of all kids and some practical, specific approaches about how to do that. So a bit early. I think went to part two a bit soon, but hopefully helpful. Well, that was the problem. You said it and I couldn't unhear it. There are some great ways to actually do this. I It changed my mindset on the whole thing. I absolutely love it. I don't want to steal it. I want people to get into it. But there is just a point that's clear because my brain clicks and you can, even if you're not watching, you can see my brain. You can hear my brain <laughs> clicking to gear. And I come to life, Billy, it was awesome. Like such Thanks, a Nick. different thing. Just anyway, I'm just stumbling and buggering up words in the highlight. But anyway, it was awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the episode, guys. Hi, I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Daddy, and what does he do? Just use your best judgment. We trust you. Good morning, Dr. Billy Garvey. Good morning, Nick. You're about one of the only people that calls me doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. I know you obviously never do it socially. That'd be awkward. No, that'd be weird. <laughs> I do, I do, growing up, my mum was always big like you've got to address someone as a doctor. Yeah. If they're a doctor. Yeah, I think times Old have changed, which is a good thing. Well, Billy, <laughs> I'm evolving as much as I can. I'm here learning yeah. how to parent from you. Well, I'm stealing this quote off a uh, famous NBA basketball player, but if all I'm remembered for is how good I am at basketball, I failed at lots of other parts of my life. Who said that? One of the greats. I can't remember. I shouldn't remember. <laughs> really? But yeah, it's just a beautiful quote about like, yeah, I'm doing well in NBA, but I'm also a dad, a friend, a partner. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, Speaking beautiful. of beautiful quotes, we have a hell of an episode ahead of us with some great quotes. We do, yes. Yes, we do have a grace. A great, great person once said life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which leads us to where we are today, Dr. Billy. We are here for episode 68, Forrest Gump and kids that are different. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do something a little bit different for this episode. I haven't told you this yet because I try and keep the chemistry nice and um, dynamic. So, yeah, I'm going to read out the email and I don't know if you can remember it. It was about nine months ago, so it'll be fine. There's probably been 5,000 emails since then. But um, an email that we got about nine months ago that I have been thinking about frequently since about Mm. doing an episode. And, you know, I picked this movie thinking about it and then I went back to the email and the parent made the suggestion of this movie for to go with the story. But... This podcast is a community and I want to prove that um, quite explicitly in this episode because uh, a single question has driven this. Really? I think it's going to be a pretty emotional episode just to give you a heads up. Um, <sighs> okay. I was on a podcast yesterday with these two amazing mums called Not Superwoman which I'll promote on uh, my socials and I think twice all three of us cried. Oh, God. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I cried enough in this film. I actually cried for a pocket of time. Mate, do you know I cried recording this scene? 
like just putting the audio down last night at like 11 o'clock at night. I was recording the audio from the scene crying. And I was like, I've watched this movie and cried during the movie. Even when I'm just cutting the audio, I'm crying. Mm. I think Annalise is like, oh, my God. <laughs> I need some sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, how Winslow's Griswolds? Yeah, Winslow's Griswolds. I've had uh, Griswolds this week. I've had a couple, but I'm just going to go with one. Okay. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mine's mine's more of a comical uh, Griswold. I was uh, I was hope I hope these people are listeners, and I, I don't think I mean they might be listeners, local people, because I owe them a great debt of gratitude. I think I know what your story you're going to tell. No, you don't. Oh. I haven't told anyone. Okay. No, I was in the cafe on. So I've had the kid. I've had my smallest daughter for a week. Mum's been away skiing with my oldest daughter. Right. I've had my one daughter for the week, and we've had a great week. And every day to sort of uh, promote her to get out of the house, I've been promising a baby Chino. So, yeah, she gets pepped up on that marshmallow stuff just before school. Anyways, she was pretty pepped up and pretty, in a great way the other day when I brought Evie around. Yeah, she gets pepped up. Who did some two-on-two basketball. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so we were sitting there and um, <laughs> she was sort of like, I started this stupid game with her where I'm like, she was like, I was hiding her marshmallow and she'd like reach out and grab it and then she had her baby chino and I took it and she grabbed it, took it. She ended up throwing the entire baby chino milk cup over my chest and all down my pants and I was sitting there in the cafe just like frozen, covered in milk. I had a spray jacket on though so I was like I can't move. Oh, because it'll just go. Right. I turned to the ladies next to me. I just start reaching towards their serviette and they're like, I'm like, <laughs> and they're looking at me going, sorry. I'm like, I need the serviette. And one of them clicked and went, ah, and looked at me. I grabbed it and then they ended up getting five more for me. But I was like after a week of no fuss and no dramas, I just managed to do that in the middle of a cafe in front of everyone. And then, yeah, they kind of were like, oh, how's it all going? I'm like, yeah, it's going really well. It's been a great week. <laughs> but, yeah, it was my sort of uh, well, public one. Griswold is quite similar to yours. <laughs> yes. so, what would you have? So, yeah, I um, I can't blame Evie for this one though. Uh so, yeah, as you know, I'm uh, trying to – my goal is to have the balance you have but I'm very far from it, so living in chaos. And um, I get up in the mornings and shoot out the house to go to the gym mm. and it's quite indulgent. Annalise is amazing. It lets me do that every morning mm. um, and I've suggested pairing it back and she's like, God, no, your mental health will, <laughs> will plummet if you stop doing that. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's been pretty chaotic, late nights, you know, doing stuff till about midnight. I've had Evie like sleeping on me most nights um, and I get up, you know, it's dark and I'm trying to find some clothes to throw on without disturbing the house too much, rolling out to go to the gym. I'm pretty much late. I hate being late stuff and I'm pretty much like five minutes late to the gym session every single day and it's usually because like Evie stumbles out as I'm walking out and wants to cuddle and all that stuff so I'm like, oh, well. I've been really self-conscious of it like because I'm disrupting the start of the class and I roll in this time and I've just like thrown clothes together, ridden to work in like two degrees, thinking what am I doing with my life. I roll in there, late pressure on me, walk into the gym, bike banks against the door, everyone turns around and looks at me and I'm like, God, <laughs> take off my jumper and I've literally got like I forgot that Evie accidentally tipped like all of her stir fry over my T-shirt uh. and I meant to throw it in the laundry so that I wouldn't get it. 
So I took off the jumper and I've got stir fry, like full noodles, everything all over me. Amazing. And had to, I just wanted to be invisible. <laughs> if I'm really honest, I was like, I'm just going to walk out in front of traffic because I am, <laughs> I am done. You <laughs> on the jumper and just get into the sweat. <laughs> no, I just did it. And I had like bits of noodle that I was walking over and putting in the bin and everyone's just looking at me. No one commented on it, which is the funny thing. Everyone's no one's like going to approach you. No one's going to approach you, mate. No one's going to bring it up and be like, he's really, he's really living his thing there. It's like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't speak to you about it. So I know. I, good, thankfully, the people I'm mates with know that I've, I'm a dad, but I'm sure other people are like this guy. He's, they probably thought I was a grub before that kind of came with messy hair and I'm like got T-shirts with holes in them. But <laughs> anyway, so similar one. I wasn't sure which one I was going to pick, but since then. Yeah. I had another one, but I might bank it. It wasn't yeah. great. Anyway. I've got a few bank, but Winslow's. None. <laughs> None. I've got a Winslow for you. I survived all week, mate. Well, I've, I've got a Winslow of yours. Really? Yeah. Do you want to play the, yeah, play the clip? Yeah, go for it. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. I'm playing with an upside down music deck today. When I hit the right <laughs> button, it's just a celebration <laughs> into the camera. You, uh, so yeah, the, I've got a Winslow for me, which to, to be honest is that Charlie's, as you've just seen this morning, having a bit of a cuddle, he's starting to smile. So it's yeah, this beautiful. It's really nice. That, you know, you often forget uh, when you have a new bub that you're just like, oh man, this no sleep and all this stuff. And then when those smiles come, it's just phenomenal. Mm. Um, so that's my Winslow, which I can't claim as a pink something to personally be proud of, but it's really fun. My Winslow for you is, oh. mate, we were neck and neck on, you know, Z grade celebrity status, but... Now you're getting asked for selfies oh. in playgrounds. <laughs> so I think you're Don't out in front. Officially. No. <laughs> you, why do you do this? The old selfie in the playground. Someone was, yes. It's funny, isn't it? Because that's like, that's almost like our, our home turf. That's our racetrack. <laughs> if you're like, I yeah, live yeah. on playgrounds. I was <laughs> yeah. in a pub playground. That's and our second racetrack. <laughs> someone, it was really nice. It was very nice. Someone said to me, they go, um... Yeah, it did happen. So it's about <laughs> ten days ago. Someone said to be like, I was sort of sitting there, you know, watch I was watching three kids, I had my niece there as well, I'm in the playground. You know, I'm on my phone. And it's always when you're like on your phone, <laughs> barely paying attention. The five times I think I've someone said hello to me, I'm sitting there and they're like they go, Hey, how you going? I'm like, Yeah, good, good looking. <laughs> I'm like, Yep. And they're like, um, you Nick? And I was like, Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, you know, where do I know from? They're like, Oh, I listen to the and I was like, my husband said you were in here. And I was like, oh, really? And um, she was lovely. And she goes, um, yeah, awesome, love it. It's great. I was like, oh, thanks heaps. I said, um, yeah, Billy does a tremendous job of doing it all. And she said, oh, you know, I really love it. And I was like, um, and then she, just, she was like, she goes, my husband's not going to, he wasn't sure it was you. Can I get a quick selfie and show him when I get back? And I was like, yeah, of course, of course, that's totally fine. And, yeah, snapped the selfie and I, I messaged you and was like, someone's asked for a photo <laughs> <laughs> and it was really nice. So, um, yeah, just in the pl- pub playground on a Sunday, just on my phone. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's how it happened. Oh, you didn't tell, we didn't discuss it post that stitch up. Oh, mate, you're so humble about it. I'd, I'd be, that'd be the episode topic. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's me. what it was. Um, lots of fun. Yeah. Um, throw me now. I don't know where I am. Beautiful. Well, no, let's go to the movie, The Great yeah. Forrest Gump. <sighs> Saw it twice in cinemas as a young fella. Yeah, I want to know what's the third the movie you've seen three times in cinema. Ah, Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann. Oh, phenomenal. Twice, yeah, twice on my own accord and then school took us. And they see each other between the fish, oh, through the fish tank. Amazing. 
That's it's a ball. so good. But hang on, let's focus on <laughs> the other amazing film that we've got in front yeah, of us. Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. twice in cinemas, loved it. Saw it by myself a second time. Mm. I think I actually went in back to back from memory. I saw it and was like, really? that was compelling. Mm. Um, for me initially it was the probably at that stage was the best movie soundtrack I could think of. Like had all those like absolute hits yeah, like Credence and like just like uh, – Jimi Hendrix and Watchtower, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Right, yeah, the scene where Watchtower comes in. Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy. 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 That's your that's your tear scene, isn't it, Bubba? Um, Bubba, yes. I have got – I've got two. I think there's a realisation on the bench one and then the scene I think you're going to play, mm. anything around the kid and then Jenny. Oh, when he says, you know, she's like, I wish that I was with you when he's telling, which will go – which will link back to our scene – but, yeah, there's this beautiful part, surely everyone's seen it, but phenomenal movie about uh, the life of a child, Forrest, mm. who grows up in Southern America and with a single mum. We kind of never hear about dad, just dad's gone. He's on um, vacation. Vacation, yeah. We never have an explanation of that. Yep. But, um, and it journeys through these periods in time and it's based on a book written by Winston someone, yep. um, which is bad, I should have remembered that. Um, but, yeah, and Zemakis took it over, yep. um, 94. Yep. Phenomenal story, goes through these cultural, you know, <laughs> big iconic times. That wasn't really in the book. Like uh, they kind of, they did a lot of editing to put him in like these, you know, iconic scenes CGI in scene history. Too, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the scene, uh, so what do you think of Forrest Gump? Like what do you think about him as a character? What do you think about him as like, especially as a kid and then the adult he becomes? Yeah. Um, so he's got it. we hear very early on that he's got an IQ of 75. He's below the line. Interestingly, that's above the line, but and we're moving no. away from you. No, no, this is Sorry. this is mate. This is what's good about this psychoeducation of this aspect that a gotcha. child in doesn't have a mild disability, based on the numbers criteria, which we mm. try not to use um, as our only metric, is uh, below seventy is a mild intellectual disability. Gotcha. But the movie is insinuating that because he has an IQ of seventy five, he is um, intellectually impaired. But yeah, what do you think about him as a kid and a character and? Oh. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like I never really thought about him as a person, to be honest. I just thought about the adventure of his life. Like that's what I think of. I think of someone that's just like untold adventures and just pure focus. And when he's purely focused, he's uh, yeah. he's amazing. He can do anything. So what else is he besides purely focused? Uh, physically gifted. Physically gifted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it can run fast. Which is funny because that starts as a physical impairment. Sure it? does. Yeah. Yep, yep. He is no, no, he's no, no. He, he's optimistic, isn't he? Like he kind of yeah. we never see well, him kind of you never know, gets he has these devastating things happen to him. Yeah, he people are horrible to him. Yeah. They say he's simple or he's stupid or stupid is stupid does is what he says and life's like a box of chocolates. So he's just always he's pretty even keel as and, well. And what does stupid is what stupid does? What does that mean? That to me is like stupid is what stupid does. Like if you do it, if the action if the action is stupid, yes, you're stupid, but if it doesn't make you – you're not stupid ahead of what you actually do. Does that make sense? Might have it wrong. What no, does no, it no. mean? No, no, You're exactly right. It, yeah. It's what he's saying is judge me by my actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, So, yeah, yeah. you know, and he's not stupid in his actions, is he? He's, no. he's loyal. He's focused. He's proud. So he's focused. warm. He's giving. Yeah. You know, and he does things. We see. You know, he can put the gun together in the army quicker than anyone else. Quicker than anyone else. But then he he also knows when to break the order, doesn't he? Like Lieutenant Dan says, "Don't go back. They're about to napalm it." Yep. Now, who's given him those morals? 
mama. Yeah, mama has, hasn't she? So yeah. she fiercely defends him. She does whatever it takes for him to stay in school. Ooh, in his she, corner. In his corner, you know, puts people down that mock him, mm-hmm. you know, shoots down the guys on the street that are making fun of him. Haven't and seen she, man she, Yeah, she instills this amazing, you know, sense of purpose mm-hmm. and pride and yep. loyalty and love and forgiveness in him. Yep. Now, Jenny is a different character, isn't she? Like Robin Wright, phenomenal. She's oh, one of my favourite actresses. Amazing. Yeah, she's amazing in it. Now, what's her background? Broken home, horrible. Yeah, trauma. Abused, yeah. We see as an adult she goes back to the house and, you know, that beautiful, which once again portrays how amazing the forest character is. There isn't enough. Sometimes there isn't enough rocks. She's throwing rocks at the yeah. house she was abused in. Yeah, I, I paid a really careful focus on that scene just mm. because of um, he doesn't, the way he does, he doesn't say it's all right, everything's fine. Yeah. Like he doesn't overcompensate. He just lets her vent a bit and he's with her but doesn't do too much. If yeah. you watch it really carefully. And then what does he say at the grave? Oh, jeez. Um, he says, I bulldozed the house down. Yeah, bulldozed the house. Yeah, yeah. The I house is that. gone. Yep, 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 yep. You know, that, that's closed now. And, yeah, we see Jenny is this beautiful character because, you know, she keeps fleeing him. Mm-hmm. She keeps kind of seeing the safety in him but she's not comfortable in it. Because she hasn't had that relationship demonstrated to her through her childhood. Gotcha. She's had hostility, she's had abuse, she's had neglect. Gotcha. And so she feels really uncomfortable but the beautiful arc that she has is she finally comes back to Forrest mm-hmm. and realises the sanctuary and the safety in him. Lieutenant Dan has a beautiful arc as well. He's this proud soldier. He, you know, all of his ancestors died in battle. He wants to die in battle. He's furious that he hasn't died in battle when Forrest saves him. And he's angry at him and hostile and depressed and he goes into all these, you know, risk-taking behaviours. But then he has a beautiful arc at the end where he's glad that Forrest saves him. And it's funny because the book, you know, and the movie have been used a lot as a kind of to lift conservatism to kind of say that, you know, these traditional values are important, Forrest is iconic, Jenny is a portrayal of the risks of counterculture and all this stuff. But I think there's a more powerful thing in the movie than that, which is that, you know, what Forrest says define me by my actions. And Forrest Gump is a beautiful depiction of a man that has lived this amazing life Mm -hmm. despite adversity. Yep. And he, with a scene which I'll talk to when we play it later in the movie and after we've talked to the topic a, a bit, is so powerful because it has this big realisation of what his actual experience has been. Because we kind of coast through the movie going, oh, look at him, he just falls into all these lucky things. He doesn't realise everyone's making fun of him, you know, and all those things and he's just kind of dopily floating around but he's not and we see that when um, Haley Joel Osment comes into it who we'll talk about it in the scene. But, yeah, first first movie for Haley. Like, yeah. Uh, I, um, <laughs> you know, I'd forgotten he was actually in it. Yeah, like I didn't. I was like it was a, quite a few things when I went back and rewatched. I was like, oh, they're yeah. really interesting things. Mm. Um, that I didn't – every time I reckon you, I could rewatch it 10 years from now and learn a little bit more around things in history and go, oh, that was interesting. Yeah, and it won obviously all these Oscars yeah. and, yeah, yeah, it won everything in a pretty yeah. tough year to win stuff as well. Yeah, and did you see who'd passed on it? No, who was it? Travolta. Oh, really? But he did Pulp Fiction. Thank God. And did oh, really well. Very <laughs> you know who else, you know else passed on it? Chevy Chase. Oh, really? God, <laughs> Can you picture him sitting on the park bench? Has he done a serious movie in his life? <laughs> yeah, that was it. I'm not sure if he has. Passed on it. Uh, no, I've seen him doing it. Don't get me wrong, he's, he's in no. one of our buttons. Yeah. But we love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> we love him. Clark. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, phenomenal movie. Now, mm. 
I was, we'll pretend that we've scripted this a little bit. Are you going to ask me what do I mean my kids who are different? Yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah, we've gone to do this. Yeah, exactly. What do yeah, you so mean? What does, what does what that mean? Does... So when you say that, I'm like, oh, just to be mm. really honest, when I when you go like kids who are different, I'm like they've got a challenge ahead of them. I think it's a, a, a fair way but a nice, you know, like kid might have um, something that they're – challenged with and i yeah. honestly i like would be thinking are they autistic do they have adhd do are they i don't know i don't know much about intelligence yeah, awesome. tests and i'm like iq tests i'm like mm. don't even know what impacts that to make someone fall below or above <laughs> i sort of don't understand I've never done great, IQ no test. it's a great it's a great <laughs> question yeah i know it's it's really funny because um do we still do them yeah, we still do them. We we still Before. do them as so we do them clinically to try and understand what the relative strengths and weaknesses of kids are. Ah, okay. It's really important, like with everything that we do in clinic, it, it stays within its lane, and that's the risk of like. And Forrest Gump is a beautiful portrayal of this. That people, if people judge him by that number and say this defines you, then we miss out on a lot of opportunities to yeah. elevate the amazing strengths that Forrest Gump displays perfectly. Cognitive tests need to need to stay in their lane in that they, you know, Forrest Gump, for example, has, you know, let's say it's low, a low IQ, but it's it defines his cognitive ability on a test. That's it. It doesn't define okay. like all of the other characteristics that are beautiful about him. Now I'm going to read the letter, but I'm sorry. Yeah, but coming back to what what does it mean? What kids that are different? So what does it actually mean? Yeah, so what we're talking about, yes, is we know that 15% of people in the world will live with a disability, mm-hmm. about a quarter of them. So 250 million kids worldwide will have a disability. Um, Physical? Emotional? So it, yeah, it can mean lots of different things yep. but it impacts their functioning in life. Gotcha. So that's the kind of thing to think about. It makes things more difficult for them and we'll talk about you know, towards the second half, like what we should be doing about it as a community, as individuals, as parents, as community members. Um, so there's this really high prevalence. So we know that, for example, Forrest Gump, if he does have an intellectual disability, that's about 1% of kids. So there'll be kids in every school that have an intellectual disability. And the challenge is that how do we, tr- how do we move towards true inclusion? Now, what I'm going to do now is read out an email because some of the evidence is that the way that you do this, which this episode is going to try and do, is by storytelling. Okay. So the, what, what I mean by that is it's easy to hear the stats we've just told you. You've gone, that's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a lot of people that have to live with a disability. Yeah. What we find that moves people towards being truly inclusive and moving away from some of the negative approaches that we have, either through exclusion, bullying you know, having pity, whatever, is storytelling. Storytelling is the antidote to that because people then hear about it. I'll talk a little bit more about what the other valuable things we can do are. Okay. Now, I'm going to – this takes a little bit. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm not going to do put it. you under the spot spotlight since you've read about 500 questions already in these many episodes. So uh-huh. I'll read the question out. Go for it. Hi, Nick and Billy. I'll try and be concise. I feel like I've played this email out in my head a dozen times and can never articulate the issue questions as simple as I want. I have a couple of questions on topics that I don't think have come up yet. I've listened to quite a few of the episodes, friendship, self-esteem, bullying, many more. I wonder if my questions are a new topic, inclusion or differences. I'm sure you'll be able to find something. For context, I'm trying my hardest not to get emotional during this. For context, my four-year-old son, he's just turned four, has a disability which reduces his physical abilities. 
His disability also comes with a ptosis in one eye. What that means is that one of his eyelids lags and covers more of one eye. Over the years, I've experienced lots of questions, stares and comments behind mine, his back. I feel like I've been improving with my ability to address these questions, stares and comments. There was a comment said in front of us recently that I haven't been able to get out of my head. I just can't think of what I would do, even with the benefit of hindsight. I should say all these happened before I stumbled on your podcast. So hopefully I can only get better at being the best cheerleader I can be for my son and also help our community as well. So, yeah, it's amazing to hear, like, that podcast being helpful and that cheerleader comment is one, yeah, I remember saying that a while back. My son and I were at the end of his dance concert rehearsal, teachers and kids only, all the parents are waiting outside to keep the concert a surprise. My son loves going to dance but is very unsure in groups of kids, especially those that are running, jumping and dancing. But he loves music and dancing so we wanted to give him the same opportunity as other kids. We went to rehearsal knowing that he was unlikely to get up on the stage but would enjoy watching others and get the opportunity if he wanted it. While the children from his dance class were getting ready to go on stage for the rehearsal, I needed to take my son to the toilet so I asked someone where it was. A primary age boy, maybe grade two at the most, said he would show us. As we followed him, he turned around to see where we were. We walked slower than most children. He noticed my son's eye and said, you look weird. This really threw me as usually the questions are along the lines of what happened to your eye. I said he didn't look weird, his eyelid doesn't open all the way like yours or mine. A couple of nights later we went to the dance concert. My son wanted to go, happy to watch. He didn't get up on the stage with the other kids. After the dance, all the kids got a gift from the teacher. She told me there would also be a gift for my son, so we went up and met with the kids backstage, patiently waiting for the gift. The same child from the rehearsal saw us and walked up to us and said, it's probably a good thing you didn't get up on the stage because you look so weird. I couldn't believe what I heard and wasn't sure if my son heard. It was noisy backstage. I felt like it wasn't possible to talk to the child at that moment. One, I didn't want to ruin my son's experience at the concert. Two, the other child was a family member of the dance teacher and she was dealing with a large amount of kids on the night. And three, no words came to me. I don't believe the other child was being a bully. He was just saying what he saw. Like your podcast the other day, a child doesn't have an extensive vocabulary. They just say what they see. So my questions are, one... How could I have approached the situation differently? What should I have said to the child or the parent, either now or at the time? I haven't had the chance to speak with the parent, but probably will soon. When is it too young to talk to children about disabilities and differences? I should say my son knows he's different to other kids, but I don't think he really understands why, how. One thing you mentioned on the episode was to ask a child, why do you think we're here? I think she means when are they come to see me in clinic. I mentioned that to my husband and he thought it was still too soon, even though our son has started asking if everyone goes to see, insert doctor's name, is sooner better than later. What should all parents think about to bring a better understanding of diversity and inclusion into our lives? I know that if my son didn't have his disability, I wouldn't be buying disability education books, so I wouldn't expect other parents to do that either. But what could we do? I asked my mum's friends and none of them knew. There's a little bit more in it, but I think that's kind of the most powerful bit of it and the important bit for us to, to touch on. So it's phenomenal that that parent has shared that. Like, I don't know how you feel about it. I've struggled to read it probably 20 times now. Um, yeah, how does that make you feel, mate? Um, like um, a little bit kind of angry, to be honest. Not angry at that kid, at that little kid at all, but like mm. um, the, the, the mum is having to deal with all that like um, it's so much more like we we you know 
complain half jokingly, but compl- like, you know, parenting's tough is what we say, but I don't have a right now in front of me a layer that makes it that much tougher. My kids, you know, from what I can tell, don't have like huge challenges, you know. Yeah. And that makes me it just that someone has to go through like that sort of thing a lot of the time. Like that is that's tough and it just makes me like like um, yeah, it makes me upset that someone has to go through that yeah. extra layer of challenge. That's what yeah. yeah, and I think I agree with you and she is an amazing parent, even calls it out, like the kid's not being a bully, she's just no, saying what no, he no, saw, no. you know, this, the mum of that child is like doing all the tense stuff, she can't even see what's happening. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, like I, I worry about this when you think about, you know, 15% of people having experiences like this and just it's harrowing, like I can't, my heart breaks for that kid and I never met him. Like I can't imagine what it's like if it was the most important person in my life and watching them experience that. So let's let's just talk about kind of each of the questions that she has. Like how could I approach that situation differently? What should I have said to the child or child's parent what, either now or at the time? What could she have done? I think obviously the first time I think she addressed it really well. Yeah. Like I'm like that's how you address it. And I'm yeah. like oh that's how we'll address it and that'll be it and mum will see me in her corner <laughs> helping out. The second one I'm like how do you... I don't know how you... So the beautiful thing that she does both times, I get the sense, is she's neutral, like she's able to hold in that kind of frustration or hostility or kind of, you know, kind of really challenging emotions that she might be having in that experience and she's able to recognise that this child is not coming from a perspective of like being a bully. They're just seeing, you know, that expression of kind of what's what this child what is, is different. Yeah, kid's different. And... You know, it is not up to any individual parent to use every one of those opportunities as a moment to educate the community, including that child. But, you know, the ability to do that alone is phenomenal. The other thing which I'm sure this parent is doing that is really important is, you know, be there with your child in that moment because those moments, you know, are hard enough on those kids without feeling alone as well. Yeah. How do you do that? So you just go in physically with them and experience it with them and, you know, and then you make sure they create a safe environment for in the moment, after the moment to talk about it and you validate the whatever emotions they have about it, they explore it, you talk about it and we'll talk about what you do beyond that. But that's a really important role that we have that I'm sure this mum is doing is protect your child in those situations because we can do that now and you might be, I'm sure you're not thinking this, but some people out there might be thinking, well, he's going to have to learn soon enough what the world's like but at four yeah screw that like he can <laughs> let's wait until he's older and journey with him around that yeah i just think about that road it just sounds really rough yeah so that, and that gets to kind of some other stuff that we're going to talk about about how do we support this parent now the parent also says you know what how do you know what could i say to the other child's parent and you just try and gently open up a conversation and say this experience is happening now, that's not to purely benefit the four-year-old child with the disability. It's to benefit the other kid as well because if, as we've talked about in previous episodes, if that kid doesn't understand how to find the strengths in every single person and only says people that look exactly like me or are exactly like me, uh, people I want to have a relationship with, then he's missing out on so much of the world. So it's really important that we, you know, explore those opportunities in kind of a neutral way but understanding that this experience has been a negative one for my child and me as a parent but being open and saying, you know, there was innocence in the comment, I'm sure, you know, you will want to find a path back with me. Mm. 
There's also a leadership piece in that about what you say is that you shouldn't hold that on your own as a parent. You should have people in your community that you proactively have relationships with that you can go in and say to, you know, the wellbeing team at school and go, hey, really concerned that my kid is hearing these comments. What can we do as a school community to proactively get out ahead of this so that we create a truly inclusive environment? And we might have questions that come in about that because there's a lot of detail around how you set up in truly inclusive environments. Now, there's another question there about when is it too young to speak to a child about this. Now, I, I ask every single kid that sees me in clinic, you know, why you're here, like what can you get out of today and all this stuff. Now, the important thing is that kind of when we speak to kids that are four, you know, maybe even a little bit older, is that it's because we want to help. You know, that's why and I'm sure the pediatrician they're actually seeing is like this as well, like we want to help. Now, it's not help with your eye or help with the fact you walk slower. It's help you know, everyone get to celebrate the amazing stuff about you and all those things. And, you know, there might be some limitations like with Forrest Gump, his IQ, maybe Forrest Gump's never going to be amazing at algebra, maybe he's never going to write, you know, an award-winning novel. Look at his life, it's been really rich, that's a beautiful thing about that movie and what we want to do is elevate so that regardless of the level of ability in certain elements of a kid's life, they live these rich, fulfilling lives where they're celebrated, they're included they feel in control and they feel valued. That's a really important bit. The kind of the last question is a really important one. What should all of us do? You know, what should all parents um, think about? And this is where, yes, we might not be able to say everyone go out and read books about inclusivity and all those things. But what's really important is that how you and I raise our kids is one that has a really you know, holistic, broad view of the attributes of friendships that are important. Now, the world is getting better at this. It's still got a long way to come of like saying we shouldn't define people by, you know, and value them based on their looks or how good they are at footy or, you know, how much money they make. We should value them based on the type of person they are. And Forrest Grump, you know, was it's a film for a long time ago but it still portrayed all the beautiful things of this character because of how loving he was, how loyal he was, how persistent he was, how caring he was. And they were none, none of those attributes had anything to do with his disability. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't held back in any of those pursuits because of it. And so how do we tell stories about individual kids like the one that we've just read that elevate him? Gotcha. So what I think is this kid should have a role in that, pl- in that dance, you know what I mean? He should have a really important role. It's not one out of pity that says you're going to be the person that turns the lights on and off. It says, what are the things you're really good at, you know, and how do we utilise that strength within you so that you can be an active participant so the kids look around and go, we couldn't do this without him, you know, he's a part of this. And so that's the inclusive piece that we need to make sure we're really proactive about and go, some kids are not going to be able to run the race. So let's make other elements of it really important. Let's make sure that we don't always define how you know well a kid is going by whether they win the race or not, whether they participate in the race. Let's also have opportunities of true inclusion where we look at things and say, you know, you've got other things that you're really good at. How do we bring them out to strengthen our community? Not to give you a hand, not to give you a moment to feel good. And this is what pisses me off about this, like worrying about every kid getting a prize stuff. Yep. And the point is that no, no, we as a community need to elevate the strengths in every single child that's a part of it and parent as well. It's hard though, isn't it? It's because, really hard. Because you get stuck in this. That. It's yeah. so hard because well, there's yeah. so much to deal with. 
Well, also, yeah, we're also stuck in this old way of looking at things that we go to a playground and we go, cool, let's everyone have a shot at the monkey bars and we, we sometimes will miss the kid that's like, I can't do that. And you're all celebrating how every other kid can do the monkey bars. But it's hard. Like, I, you know, Evie doesn't have any of these challenges but she's often the one who's like she's too little to do stuff. So okay. I've got to make sure she's still included in it in some way. And okay. it's the same. We've just got to make sure we're looking around and including everyone but in a meaningful way, not in like a, you know, substitute way. Yeah, okay. That sounds to – how do I navigate that? So like – I think you're let's quite say, good at say, this. I well, think you nah, will think about on. people without, an calling, idea, no, without, without calling out individuals. Mm. You know people in your life that are kids that have disabilities. Yep. And I think you are really proactive in how inclusive you are. Yeah, but I don't. what I'm worried about is that I'm not doing it in a meaningful way. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think you are because I think you connected them. You're genuinely there. You're not doing it in a way that's like, oh, let's just make sure you feel included. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just trying to think, yeah. Oh, it's made me really conscious of like that sort of stuff. I don't think I'd do it, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's making me think though. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it, because it feels a bit uncomfortable, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so this is really uncomfortable. So do you know what, imagine, <laughs> like I oh, know you know this, imagine what it's like for the parent. Yeah, I it know. It feels that's, completely isolated in this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was kind of, yeah, I'm just reflecting on before, like yeah, I, yes, it's really tough. Yeah. It's complex but we don't really talk about it or we don't kind of... I don't even know how you address it because it's kind of hard in this thing like that. So something like with the one we've just talked about, do you just try and ignore it and carry on and just like make everyone feel the same, do the same? Do you know what I mean? This is the part I struggle with. It's like or do you have to make, um, you know, con- concessions sort of thing? Do you know what I mean? This is So we have to accommodate. Yeah, really accommodate, good point. We have to, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. But, yeah, we have to accommodate for certain things. We have to go, you know, it's, it's really interesting what we talked about last episode that equality versus equity you know, yeah. do you give everyone yeah, yeah. the same okay, amount okay. of attention gotcha, and support gotcha, gotcha. or do you tailor it to their needs? The yeah, it's always infuriated me about that piece and there'll be some public health people that listen to this, I think. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a classic picture of a baseball game and there's like a fence where three people are looking over the fence and they've all got the same size boxes but only one of them can see because he's only tall enough. Yep. And so that's equality and then they do equity where the shorter kid's got the tallest box and he can see over the fence. Yep. But I always looked at it and I'm like, why aren't they sitting in the seats? <laughs> because they're like <laughs> looking over the fence. Right, okay. And I'm like, there's a whole equity problem in the way that this picture's been drawn. Okay. A- anyway, the point is that, yes, we have to make sure that we are equitable. So we look at kids and go, yeah. you're going to have a harder time. So I can't go, you know, it's a bit like with glasses or a wheelchair or whatever. We don't just go, hey, try harder to read. We go, you need glasses and that's an accommodation. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So there needs to be accommodation so that, you know, inclusion <laughs> can happen but we also need to make sure that we go. The, the trick is like getting to know the kid and being like what are the awesome things about you that I can bring out. Agreed. Now that's spot on but, God, kids and play is so fleeting. This is my thing, playground. So what do you do? So imagine a new dad comes in, yeah. playground, he's got a child who has some physical impairments and can't participate. Yeah, I had this on a holiday. I was yeah, there recently. What, and what, what do you do? I sort of, I just go, hey, how you going? Oh, it's going to sound weird. I'll be like, oh, how's he travelling? Yeah, awesome. And if they want to say something like, yeah, couple couple challenge, you know, wants to say something, otherwise if they just go, no, he's good as gold, I go, sweet, good as gold. Like and I just carry on like I'd play regularly. But if they were to, I'd feel like when you say something like, "Oh, how you going? Good holiday? Yeah, how's he traveling?" If they want to offer something, they can offer it. If they don't want to, they don't have to. 
Do you know what I mean? Just give the opportunity to say something totally. to you as a parent because totally. you don't want to be like, oh, wow, it looks like, you know, this isn't easy. Like, oh, like if someone said that to me, I'd be pretty yeah. triggered. So what I would do is I'd use the same thing I do in clinic. Yeah. I'd try and figure out what that kid enjoys. Yeah. And then I'd try and figure out what he's good at. <sighs> what and and then I would scaffold gotcha. an interaction with the other kids based around those two things. Okay. So you really enjoy this? So does my daughter. Do you realise you both really enjoy this? Hey, you're really good at that. You should be the person that does this in the game we're playing. And then the story that I would tell Vesh about Simon, who we just met, is that he loves this. He's really good at that. Oh, and I'll, do all I'll, that again. I'll elevate that aspect of him. What were the two things he did? You what find you out what they, what they what, enjoy. And what are they good at? What are they good at? What do they think they're good at? What do they think they're good at? Yeah. What do you enjoy? What, are you, what are you good at? And it goes right back to um, Richard Gere and our tearful pretty woman and self-esteem oh, episode because yeah. that's what elevates their self-esteem, doesn't it, about hearing people that intentionally, specifically enjoy elements of ourselves that we put effort into and they go, yeah, great, I love this about you. Not that you're nice but that you're really good at that. I really enjoy playing that game with you. I really enjoy doing those things. And that doesn't matter how about age differences. That doesn't matter about abilities. That pushes back against that ableism stuff and says, what are the specific things about this relationship that you, your child has with my child? And we scaffolded together as parents. So those parents, when I get comfortable with them, I would be saying that. Be like, hey, what can we do to get these two just humming and having an awesome time together? What does your kid love doing? Because I'm sure we can find something that's overlap. Let's get them doing that together. Then you move away from that difference. Your kid's eye is different to mine. You know, your kid can't be a part of the dance thing. You kind of go, sweet. Well, actually, that's really important. We need someone in this dance recital. We need someone in this dance performance that is good at that stuff. He's going to be an integral role about it and we're going to make sure that we're not doing it from a perspective of like giving him a free pass. We're going to do it because, yeah, yeah, you've got responsibility. You're important in this and this activity won't happen and succeed without you participating in it. I feel like you've given me a cheat code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's awesome, isn't I it? I really like, like that. Yeah, like yeah. that's such an easy premise. Yeah, but I mean, mate, I've been doing this a long time and I purposely do that in clinic with every kid that I meet. So he doesn't come in and the first thing he hears me say is, so we're trying to figure out what your IQ is, you know, yeah. and set him up for being like, cool, this is going to define you even further. There's a little bit of that, but I do it from the perspective of we're just trying to understand how we can best support you and bring out the best stuff in you. Yeah. Oh, I really like it. Mm. So, you, yeah, we'll talk about it. Sorry, I'm could stuck be, on it. No, oh, my could, God, yeah, no, this yeah. is a really good one. No, it's going to help me. I'm about to go away. With I'm, I'm going on a I mean, you should do it with every kid, shouldn't you? You shouldn't yeah. be just doing it with a kid that can't do the monkey bars. No, you should be I like. Know. But it's, uh, my point is I have a lot of opportunity. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I'm doing a tour of monkey bars and campsites. Yeah, <laughs> you but know, it is. But like, you, what I'm we're doing as parents, especially with younger kids, is role modelling inclusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. You know, you are an important part of this community. Yeah, so you're going away with a bunch of our mates. You're going to have a week together. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to be the hotspot because you're staying at the cabinet park. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to have the best playground and exactly. all that Exactly, yeah, and this is going to be heaps So you're phenomenal at this and it's not like sometimes it can be like herding cats. So I'm not saying every single time make sure every kid's included. But that's what you want to do is our role as parents, especially with younger kids, is scaffold opportunities to bring the best out in every kid and to make sure and look around and go, does everyone feel like they're part of this? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Really so, come so back. it might have took me a little bit to get <laughs> no, to No, no, this episode was, it was like, yeah, it was just reflecting upon when we first started chatting and you were like, oh, how does this kind of make you feel? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's like the real pinch point though where there's that tough moment with the parent and the kid, you know, but 
like you can address it kind of like, I don't know, it feels like it's going to bulletproof these kids a bit. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Well, the hard thing is, so we know there's three big barriers to kids with disabilities. There's the physical barriers, you know, yep. like not able to kind of keep walk up. upstairs, keep up, that part. There's a communication element. A lot of it is like, you know, we need to make it easier. We have a very set way of this is how we communicate and a lot of kids, whether they have a hearing impairment, a speech impediment or whatever, they get left out in the cold. So that's the second one. That's the second so one. So physical communication, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's the, the third one. It was the one we're actually talking about today, which is the hardest one and the one we still got to make a lot of ground is our attitude about this stuff, you know, and that's the obvious stuff of like kids with a disability are more likely to be socially isolated, gotcha. to have experience bullying, abuse, neglect, all those things. But we also, you know, we've got to be careful we don't lower our expectations. We see a kid and go, oh, you can't be a part of this game, you know, and leave you out or give them a hand up when they don't need it, haven't asked for it. Speak down to them. All this stuff is that's that's where the risk is. That because you you and I are like, man, I'm never going to bully those kids, but we might actually unfairly reduce the expectations that are around them and set them up to feel like they're less than already. And so yeah, we've got to be really careful that we don't do that. The most important thing with do. this stuff is that you don't not attempt it because you're worried you're not going to do it perfectly, and bring the parent in like you talked about. Watch them, watch how they are, watch what expectations around them they push and then elevate them within that kind of approach that that parent has. Gotcha. Work with that parent, you know what I mean? Say, this is awesome, my kid loves playing with other kids, you know, let's learn together what, how can we scaffold the best opportunities for them to play together. Like you would any kid that rolls in. Just being the same is the most important bit. Talk the same, same expectations, everything like that. Once we fr- reframe... We really risk a kid sensing that and also limiting their opportunities and changing their experience from another child that might walk in the playground looking different. Yes. Hard stuff. But really important we work on this. This is, and this is once again not a, a selfless thing. This is like this will enrich our community because this is a lot of kids that are being left out in the cold and parents that are having experiences at this one time. Yeah. Yeah, super tough. Anyway, I can't say the time, but oh. is it scene time? Yeah, scene time. Yeah, let's time. do it. Cool. Because totally. I think I'm oh, like, fine. have I spoken a lot? Of it? Right. Um, yeah, as we say a lot, we just do one take. Do you want to intro this scene at all? Yes, I'm going to intro this scene. Sure. So Forrest has um, has just uh, reconnected with Jenny. And yes. Jenny's had this beautiful thing where she's apologised and said, if I've ever hurt you, I'm sorry. And, you know, Forrest is, yeah, this phenomenally loving, instantaneously forgiving character. But what we've seen is that Robin Rice is in the apartment, Forrest has come and visited, and just before you, the audio starts, um, a friend has dropped off a child, Haley Joel Osmond, and Forrest is is standing there with Jenny watching this child get dropped off and it's, yeah, it's really beautiful and I'll try and hold it together oh, so that I can um, good luck. actually talk to the scene. <laughs> All right, here we go, guys. This is my very good friend, Mr. Gump. Can you say hi to him? Hello, Mr. Gump. Hello. Oh, can I go watch TV now? Yes, I can. Just keep it low. You're a mama, Jenny. I'm a mama. His name's Forrest. Like me. I named him after his daddy. He got a daddy named Forrest, too? You're his daddy, Forrest. (laughs) 
Forrest, look at me. Look at me, Forrest. There's nothing you need to do, okay? You didn't do anything wrong. Okay? Isn't he beautiful? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But... Is, is he smart? He's very smart. He's one of the smartest in his class. Yeah, it's okay. Go talk to him. What are you watching? Fortnite. Oh, heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like so nice and then it's so sad where the first thing he asks is, is, is he smart? Mm. It's obviously front of mind. So he's realised the whole time how people feel about him. Yeah. You run through the whole movie feeling like he doesn't realise. Yeah. And you realise the whole time he's seen, you know, such a beautiful comment about he's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because I don't know if you remember when, you know, Jenny's dying, he reflects back on all these beautiful things that he's seen, you know, running past the yeah. lake. It yep. was like there was one sky on top of each other, the sunrise, didn't know where earth started and heaven began or whatever. Earth ended and heaven began. And then he instantaneously sees his kid, realises he's his and says he's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And You know, it's hard for any non-parents listening, but God, you feel like that every single day, don't you? You're just like, I, I often find myself just saying, and at least I'm like, did, I said to her last night, I was like, did you ever think you could love someone as much as... Mm. You know, we love Vivesh and, you know, getting to know Charlie. But, yeah, it's just like overpowering. So when this mum sends in that email, I'm just like, oh, my God, how do you hold that? And you shouldn't hold it on your own. And this, you know, this is what's beautiful about Forrest Gump is that he thinks like he then shifts into and we see him be a beautiful dad. You know, he prepares him for the bus. He's fishing with him. He just enjoys the time with him. He's playing ping pong with him and he's... He's just celebrating this kid the same way he celebrated all the other characters in his life and just being there unconditionally supporting them. And that's why we know this kid's going to be fine. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't it, The intellectual ability of Forrest Gump doesn't matter as a dad because he has all these attributes that we're aspiring towards, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about the movie is that what we should be doing is elevating those elements in ourselves and in all the kids in our lives, not just kind of saying, I want to make sure you're really smart. It's a, it's a real challenge and I think it's a real challenge raising daughters as well that we kind of look at it and go, I want, I want you to be, you know, pretty and I want you to be really, you know, all these attributes that are really superficial and they also set up a really big chance of kids not feeling like they're good enough. Whereas what we've got to do is find the individual things in each child to elevate and role model that in the relationships that we have with ourselves as parents and friends and couples and everyone that we interact with but also really scaffold it like we've talked about on the playground so that when our kids meet other kids we try and find the things to elevate and if we notice that a kid can't do the monkey bars or can't do a certain thing how do we support them to shift into something where they can also experience that success and that inclusion specifically yeah. what i like about the approach is and i can't get over the approach you give me i just keep thinking about it <laughs> like yeah, seriously like what do they like and what are they good at what do they think they're good at it's so even-handed just on the way in as a way of thinking. So regardless if a kid has a challenge or 
even a challenge you can or can't see, if you just have that attitude, like it's such a great starting point. Yeah, like definitely. Regardless of where a kid is. Yeah, exactly. Do you know it's that's no the difference point. to, oh, this kid walks in and he's got a walking frame, now I'll shift my approach. And that's why. We shouldn't do that. No, yeah. Or the other one is like just treat everyone the same. Mm. It's like no, yeah. that's not, like that's a great default if you can, if that's just how it all lines up, well, that's great. Yeah, and everyone's nailing it. Yeah, but we know that's great. not going to be it's happening. Gonna, it's not going to We've got to make sure no kids no. are left out. And exactly. Yeah. And this parent asks that question beautifully of like, What's the right age? Now, I'm always nervous saying ages because I'm worried our listeners like, I've got a, I did this podcast yesterday and was talking about, you know, how important it is early on and someone's like, oh, my God, you know, I've got a teenager if I miss the window. But what we know is that it's really important that we're proactive about this stuff like because we know that kind of mid to late primary school kids will really start looking around and looking at like really start defining themselves based on their peers so we need to be proactive and building that rich sense of self through what do I enjoy, what am I good at because that's when we see the first spike in performance anxiety, kids not wanting to go to school, all that stuff. We often think it's high school but a lot of those kids we look back and we go, you started struggling with your self-identity in grade four, grade five when you were nine, 10, 11. I could, I could easily save this for the next episode. Sorry, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm. My daughter had this realisation for the first time two weeks ago. This is, you might be like, what, why are we asking this? No, but I'm no. going to ask it because it feels sort of relevant. She realised for the first time that she wasn't at a level that others her age were mm. and it was a swim class. Yeah. She was like, those kids, that kid, that kid, I go to kindergarten with that kid, that kid's only four, I'm five, but they're in that class. And, and I was like, yeah, no. yeah, they're just really good at this one thing that, you know, once we tick the box, I didn't, there's a lot of talking about it at first, but it was like, it was just a, that was the point, like there's one thing she can't, a couple things she can't do, whatever. But it, watching it dawn on her was so hard. Mm. So like, what's, what's the, what's an important approach with that? Um, well, I just sat and just asked her why she was upset. I was like, what do you, what sort of, and just sort of talked it through and then, I didn't tell her, well, you know, once you learn how to do this thing, you can just go up. I sort of said, oh, yeah, that's, that's tough. And then I said, nice. um, and then I said, um, what do you, I sort of asked her like, oh, you know, like I wonder what it is that, you know, and I sort of, a bit quicker than that, I was sort of like, oh, I think it's actually just this one thing. So if we work on it, but then they were so flat that they couldn't work on it. Yeah. And had to sit out for a while. It came back and then started working on it and started doing it, but it was, it was hard. Like, cause I was like, oh, it's just this one thing. If you do this, we can go up. Amazing, mate. You've Would graduated. You no, I'm not, mate. <laughs> the student has become the minister. <laughs> I haven't graduated mate, yet. Mate, I might look like Yoda, right? I look like Yoda. I do. I look like Yoda but I'm certainly not the master. No, so what you've done you know is you've validated and you've been with yeah, her to the level what... that she needs. You've validated that experience. You don't push past her and that go, who cares? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it because we did an episode, I think it was four reps back. It was one of the first ones after. It was one of the last ones we did before the break and I was like, oh, you've got to validate it. Got to validate it. You can't skip over it. That's not the point. Yeah. Even though you want to, even though I was doing that for the last four and a half years. <laughs> you can't. Sorry. And this was my point. But to that thing about like, oh, they start to realise in their mid-thingos, mm. I was just saying that, yeah. I, and so then what do you do after you've validated it? Um, you did it. So you just speak and you articulate what you did. <laughs> um, I sort of started to build a path towards what she has to do. Yeah, so you say if this is important to you, we're going to together oh, work on this. this is important to you. I like that. Hmm. <sighs> we'll do it together. You're very good at this. <laughs> Wait, this is, if I'm not very good at it, I should change professions. Very because... good at this. <laughs> Your language. 
I yeah. forget. I got it. That's if this is important to you. Yeah, and together. We'll find yes, part together, together, which is what you did. So yeah, yeah. That's oh, why, but that's why like Bradbury. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I nailed it. For international listeners, <laughs> Bradbury's one of Stephen Bradbury's athletes. one of our great Australian athletes who <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice, yeah, won a gold, won a gold medal through. It's called twice Bradbury. coming last. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone else falling over. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you say something. And <laughs> well, yeah. a lot of times you say something. <laughs> but I so it immediately applicable to my situation. And I'm sure the listeners are like, can we knock it on the head, boys? <laughs> but I'm like, no, I've got this one thing yeah. and you need to all hear about it. No, it's beautiful though, mate. That's what I'm you're like, doing. Oh, you're, the, you're, you're the talent. You're the talent It clicks here. into gear sometimes. Oh, sorry. Just wanted to get that one off the chest. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, if the listeners are still with us after me <laughs> going through that, great. Um, that was awesome. Oh, it was a tough, it was a tough start. Yeah, tough, tough read. Bit emotional. I think it's the maybe tenth time I cried this week. Yeah, half of them on public media, <laughs> facing stuff. <laughs> so, apologies for anyone who gets sick of seeing me cry. But um, yeah, so please send in questions yes, and sorry, go. I like, I don't even want to put ideas because I'm always like, this is what will come, and what I think is going to come never comes. But talk, yeah, talk to Nick and I, ask us questions on this topic like kids who are different, are you looking after a child who is different, were you a child who was different, what, what can you share with the listeners that might learn from that, what, give us insight into your experience. Educators, please come out. You've got amazing skills in this stuff. Therapists, please share your moves with us. Um, yeah, yeah, share your moves. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah, and tricky questions. We want tricky questions. Love tricky questions. Billy? Fantastic. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that episode. And um, we hope everyone else did. But, yeah, Billy's done the rap already. He's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, he's taking my job. <laughs> Stay in your lane, Billy. <laughs> no, no, you, you can swerve. Um, all right, thanks, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks, Nick. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. What does it do? Just use your best judgment. We trust you.